Hi everyone and happy new year from the Celtic View podcast. We have our first podcast of 2023 coming up and what a 2022 it was for Celtic and hopefully this calendar year we have plenty to celebrate as well and plenty to talk about on the podcast. For our first episode, my usual guest and Paul Cuddihy is not here. He is currently getting a suntan, getting some winter sun. So we're doing things a little bit differently and we've got a special guest on with Paul Lambert, our former title-winning captain, joining the podcast to reflect on the weekend's action in the cup game against Kilmarnock, to look ahead to that Glasgow derby final and to get a couple of stories from Paul from his time as a Celtic player. So hope you enjoy the podcast and we'll have plenty more coming up later this year. So do keep involved with the podcast as it comes out every week. But for now, let's hear from Paul. Uh, delighted to have Paul Lambert on the podcast. Paul, how's things with yourself? Yeah, okay. Yeah, everything's everything's fine at the minute, and uh, yeah, I just enjoying the enjoying the life at the minute, and then um, yeah, see what happens in the future. Brilliant, that's great. And there's been lots of Celtic games to be excited for over the, the last few weeks. We're going to get into this season in general, but I think the first place we need to start, Paul, is to reflect on the weekend and a 2-0 win over Kilmarnock, which books as our place in the League Cup final. It was a, a tough game, probably from your own experience, you'll you know semi-finals sometimes can kind of follow that pattern, can't they? It's a one-off, Ryan. It's a one-off game and um, I've I seen a good bit of it, the majority of the game. The weather looked looked terrible up there, which is, is a, a normal occurrence up in Glasgow. So, um, it's a one-off game, and Kilmarnock have nothing to lose, and Celtic have everything to lose, really. So, but the way the guys done the job, you get the job done and, and move on. You don't you don't dwell on it. It's the it's the final that you need to get. Yeah, that's the the big one, the final, and you and then you've got to win that for people to talk about. If you lose, it's not a great a great feeling to lose it. But they're in the final now, and it gives them that chance to yeah possibly get a possibly get a domestic treble, really. I mean, you've played in teams that have won trebles, that have had that winning mentality. And I think a lot of the time in, in cup games, when you look at things like the weather, sometimes you can come off the back of having a, a cup shock and you can blame these types of things. But this team just don't have that within them. They've just got that mentality that keeps going. Is, is that something you see in the team from your own experience? I, it's a difficult question because it's, it's different eras. Different, different times, different teams, different. The team I played with, I think I said before, was that, that team I played. We could have went anywhere in Europe and picked up a result, and it would have been a shock because they were really, really strong mentally, really strong physically, and a really, really good football side. That that team I played with. So this team looks still relatively new with each other with it, and that's why, hence the reason the Champions League maybe never went as well as what they. They'd hoped, but the, the league domestically, Angie's been brilliant. The next stage is for Celtic to make a little mark in, in Europe, which I think they're more than capable of doing. And hopefully they win the league and get that opportunity again in Champions League, which is which is going to be important. But the, the mentality of the team now and what they're playing in front of now is is really good. They play really good football. They look they all look as if they know what they're doing. That's what I see with Celtic. They look as if they know exactly what they're doing. The manager knows what he's doing. The, the recruitment the guys have come in have done have done great with the new guys have come in they've took to it 
really, really well. So I, I think everything as a whole, the team is going really, really well at this minute. See, when you're watching a game like that and you're seeing the weather, does it kind of make you think, I'm actually glad I'm not really playing up in Glasgow anymore and I'm not having to get the boots on? Uh, <laughs> do you know what, Ryan? I never actually minded it, the, the weather. That was our upbringing, really. That was your, that was your culture. And um, I remember playing in Germany in the snow and I wore short sleeve shirt and they, they looked at me as if I was half mad really you know but it was it was just part of the culture I think that you, you, you've got to get used to that because it's part of the game the weather is part of the game you have to master the conditions with it and, and the better team will win with Celtic where where the better team there's no doubt, doubt about it but the, the weather in Glasgow is um, you've got to get used to it and you've got to adjust it really yeah um, I'd just like to pick your brains a little bit about Celtic's midfield at the moment I've obviously yourself being someone that operated in that, that position for, for so long and, and dominated the midfield. The weekend it was McGregor, Hatate and, and Aaron Moy who really seems to be coming onto a game and of course O'Reilly's he's been involved in the team throughout this season as well. What have you made of the kind of the structure of the midfield and the way that's operated? I think that's been a key to it, really. The three lads in the middle of the pitch, whether it's the first three you've just mentioned or the, or the latter three, it very rarely changes. And the way Celtic play don't change, so all the guys know their jobs, what they want to do, and where they hopefully should be in the pitch at the right moment, with and without the ball. So they they know all that. The great thing, it allows Callum to go on the ball, I think, pretty, not saying easily, because you've got to find your own space. It's not an easy thing to find your own space with it, and he does that really, really well. The lad Tati, I think, runs and runs and runs. I think as he gets older, he'll start to learn maybe no doesn't need to run as much as what he normally does. He can play with his brain. Moy's Moy's been a good player, I think, throughout all his, all his career. And, and the boy Riley, I think, is really good. I think he can be really good because he plays one and two touch football really, really well. He plays off the back foot. He receives it really well. Good eye for a pass. So, And he's a young one. And he'll go through peaks and troughs how his career's going to go. But I think the three guys that play in the middle of the pitch, whether it's the three you mentioned at the beginning or three you mentioned before, they all know the jobs. They all know exactly where they're going. And it allows, for me, it allows Callum to get on the ball and, and see the five-yard passes that people probably don't appreciate as much. But when you pass the ball five yards, it's uh, it gets other people free. And that's what he does really, really well. Yeah, particularly in a game like we had on Saturday as well where the pitch is wasn't in the best conditions, you've got to have that ability to keep the tempo going and, and keep the, the flow going as well. And you kind of mentioned there about the consistency of the midfield. Is that something that you found when you played? You were in there with maybe like Neil Lennon, Silly and Petrov. When, when you have those relationships as a midfield sort of trio, that that's a real sort of, something that, that helps your progress as a team? What well, does, without a doubt, if, if the consistency is there with your teammates and, and, and plus if you go off well off the pitch it, it's a great thing as well because you just take that on onto the pitch and I think that's where the most successful teams I've played with all the guys have gone really well off the, off the pitch so um, you have each other's back through the good and the bad times That's that, I think that's really important and looking at the team in this moment they seem to have that collective where everybody seems to go on well they all seem to enjoy playing with each other so I said the big thing they all know their jobs, what you do, and they look as if they look as if they run through walls for each other, regardless what what uh, 
components playing, they, they look as if they'll go right to the well. When we, as I said, we had that. We had that. All, all good teams have it. You, you go to the well for each other, you'll be you'll be successful. And that victory over Kilmarnock sets up a final in late February, a Glasgow Derby final, which I think everyone's going to be really looking forward to. There's plenty of football to be played in between that time as well. But if you were to kind of look at that fixture as it stands at that moment in time, Paul, how would you kind of assess that game for Celtic? doesn't really matter who's playing well and who's, who's not playing well. I think it's a, it's a unique game where anything can happen in it. Anything, decisions can go against you, they can go for you. There could be crazy, crazy things happen. It's a unique 90 minutes, whether it's going to be or extra time, whatever it's going to be. If it was a league game, you would turn around and say Celtic are favourites. Cup finals, I think, I think whoever gets a little bit of luck on it and whoever plays a little bit better than each other, then, then they'll get it. On, if the game is played in paper, you say Celtic 100%, you say Celtic, but it's a unique, it's a final, it's a one-off. There's nothing to lose. You have to go for it and no matter how you do it, you walk away with that trophy at the end of it. I think that's the way to view it. But I think if you ask the manager at Celtic or the Rangers manager or Celtic players, Rangers players, they'll say the same. It's a one-off game. It's a neutral venue where 50% is Rangers and 50% is Celtic. It's it's a unique thing. And and your heart, what 100%, my heart and my brain want Celtic to win it without a shadow of a doubt. But I just know for experience it, it don't matter who's a favourite in that game. It's just you could play in the moon line and you wouldn't pick a, a winner because nobody knows how that game's going to go. <laughs> and the, the League Cup as well has been obviously it's, it's come back to the schedule of being late February because of the World Cup. It went back to the November um, for the last sort of five years or so. But we saw last season how important that League Cup was for. And for the players in terms of building for the rest of that season to go on and, and win the league. From your own experience as well, how important is it if Celtic can win that first trophy? How important can that be to then go on and, and win the league and potentially a Scottish Cup as well? I, I think when you're a Celtic player, it doesn't matter if it's League Cup, Scottish Cup or League, the support demands you to win it. It doesn't matter what order you want to put it in, it doesn't matter. You, you, you get it ingrained in you when you play for the club that you know you have to win. And that that's that's the beauty about being a Celtic player. There's no grey area where you think, well, maybe one season we can we can win two out of three or we won one out of three or we only we don't have a have a title. That that just cannot happen when you're a Celtic player. You have to win. And that's a great upbringing you can have there where where it, it does demand of you that you have to win more trophies than not, and when you get it, it's brilliant. When you don't get it, it's not so, not so good. But when you do win them, and you and you can get a treble, then it's a great, great thing to have. But that that's the beauty of being a Celtic player. And I think if you ask any of the lads, well, if they played by any other clubs, it's difficult to match the intensity of it because it's so demanding that you have to win every single game. And then when they, when you win these three trophies. They go behind and they go behind in the cover and you have to go and do it again the following year. But that, again, uh, you make no apologies for that because the great Celtic teams away in the past, they la- I always I always view the Lions as the best team, without a doubt, because of what they've done. And the, that crowd demand that you have to win and, and you have to live up to that expectation level of 
you get Celtic, you win a trophy, let it go, go to the next one, go to the next one. And that's what it breeds. It breeds winning for you. This team have, so far this season anyway, are, are on course to do that. How impressed have you been kind of watching from afar of what Ange Postecoglou has done with this Celtic team? Because so often you hear people saying, you know, you win one title, but the challenging thing is to then go and retain it. But this season they've just been so dominant again. I think the, the, the thing that always makes me laugh when he first came in and he lost his first few games and people said he was he was hopeless and no good and maybe he's, he's in borrowed time. Exact same thing happened with Vim Janssen. Exact same. And Vim um, lost his first few games and all of a sudden then wins the... Arguably, well, it was probably my hardest title that I've won. The 10 in a row one was the hardest. Because the pressure on that was huge. We... We were up against an incredible strong Rangers team at that time, Gascoigne and Loudrop and, and Gorham and Goffs and all them guys. They were, they were a top side. Rangers were a top side that time. But Vim built a team within one season and, and done brilliant with it. And that's why it made me laugh because when I heard people criticising him, oh, he's no good. And then all of a sudden, he can walk in water and he can do what he wants now uh, up there. Which, uh, that's what made me laugh. And I think the the great thing about it is, uh, I'm pretty sure when there was a quiet moment, he has a laugh to celebrate it because he's done brilliant there. He's handled the, the the club great. He's handled the players great. He's handled the environment great, which is which is really important. He's handled most things. He's handled really really well. As a matter of fact, I think he's probably the all because he said success really. So I think the team and the market that he's been in with the. The, the the Japanese lads has been great for him. I think that's been great. The equipment's been really, really good. So I I, I think the job the manager's done has been exceptional. But it's not just the I think the whole club's now from the outside looking in, the whole club looks in a really good place. You know, I think the, the structure of the club off the field is really important to to what happens on it. And this moment the club is really strong. Uh, and that, and that's the great thing about it. It's the team is strong, everything about it all seems really fit. Fitting in really well, but the manager's built a team where my, my view is uh, I think you want to make a little bit of a dent in Europe. I think I think Celtic are strong to win the league and the cups without a doubt. But I think you want to make a little bit of dent because I think what happened in Europe this year hurt them a little bit. Uh, we know getting the results that maybe some of the games deserve. But I think that's that's Celtic's next step. Yeah, hopefully we can get another crack at the Champions League next year and use the experience of, of this season to kind of to kind of help the team. Um, you mentioned there, Paul, about the 98 season and I actually wanted to ask you a little bit about that because this is quite a, a significant year, 2023, because it's 25 years since uh, the team stopped the 10 in 98. It's also 20 years since the run to the UEFA Cup final as well, so quite a, quite a big year. But that, that year in 98... When you look back on that now, how important was that for you personally, for the team then, but also for the trajectory of this football club in those last 25 years as well? It's a really good question. Um, I think that, as I said before, that was the most important, hardest title that I'd won. I, I don't know how many titles I won at Celtic. I, I, I don't know. and um, But that one sticks vividly in my mind because of what it was what it was up against the history attached to the club the legacy of the Lions was under threat massively under threat 
the by the Rangers nine in a row as well. And Rangers going for ten in a row. The Rangers team that we played against, as I said, I mentioned a few of the guys there. Well, Gaza and Loudrop and McCoy, Stuart McCall, Richard Goff, Andy Gorham's. They were our top side without a doubt. Ian Ferguson, top top players. And what Bim had done in a short space of time, plus losing his first few games, I, I came a bit later on. I think it was it was a remarkable, remarkable thing to have done. Really, really do. I think that was Jesus, it's like a miracle what he'd done and how he'd done it. And um, I think if you you look at the Celtic team at that team, that time. We had a really strong, I would say, 14, 15 guys, really strong. So, Tommy Boyd, McNamara, Donnelly, Phil O'Donnell, God rest them, but uh, Jonathan Gould, Craig Burley, Morton Vicost, Henrik, Harold came in at that, Dan Jackson, Matt Reaper, Stubbs. Really, really top players. But if any, anybody in an injury, then it was, it was a little bit precarious. So, but Anoni, Rico Anoni was, was great for us when he played so but the title that year was astronomical. To protect the legacy of the Lions, which I think was vital to them, because of that that era, my opinion, that era, I don't think we've ever been beat that that the team. Put it this way, you won't win a, a, a European Cup stroke Champions League trophy with a, a radius of 30 miles. The 11 guys for Glasgow. That will never, ever be done ever again. I don't care who you are. You'll be some sort of magician to, to pull that. you need to be Harry Potter to pull that off. So I think when you when you look at that, we knew the importance of it, the title of it. Probably the turning point was was the New Year game, like the two 0 game. That 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 gave us a, a thing of yeah, we can we can get this because a year earlier, obviously, won the Champions League. The pressure wasn't massive for me because I knew what it was and I knew what it what it entailed. But that that title was probably one of the yeah probably the hardest one that I'd won. Uh, for yourself then you're saying like the pressure of going for that title is even more than going into a Champions League final I mean it's quite remarkable when you think about it like that well I, th- I think the, the, it was two different occasions the, the the Champions League final was was easy for me because it, I played with unbelievable players the guys that won World Cups and guys that won massive titles that, the team that I was up against Juve was incredible probably the best team in Europe at that at that time it was a one-off final where we, we played ever so well and, and got the result. And then circumstances dictated that I, I came back to Glasgow to, to see what, what we could try and achieve here. And and, that, and it, was, it was a huge challenge. The, the challenge was huge. It was, it was, because I knew that what was at stake, the history of it. The, the, and that was, that when you look at it, the history of the club was protected by it. The, 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 the 9 row Celtic team, the great Jockstein era, that was that was unbelievable. When you look back on it, it was just an incredible achievement. And it's, you're right, 25 years, you think it was just happened yesterday. What it happened. But they, they guys, what they guys done, my teammates, they deserve so much credit for what they've done because sometimes it can pass by without fleeting. But the pressure they guys were under, or were all under, was, was, was remarkable, you know. Yeah, and as I mentioned before, another milestone which will be coming up this year is 20 years since the, the run to the UEFA Cup final as well, which is again is, is crazy to think it's been that length of time. When you just kind of think back onto to that run, 
What sort of springs to mind? What emotions come to you, Paul? I think I touched on it earlier. I think that team could have went anywhere in Europe and get results. I, I really do. I think we we had oh, really, really top side, really strong, really physically strong, mentally really strong team of men, basically, that were proper, proper, um, proper men. Uh, I, th I think that was important that the, the physically and mentally we could handle a lot of lot of big games with the manager who was great, backroom staff that was great, and collectively we all got on really well. As I said to you before, we all got on really well, and um, we had big characters there that we knew really accept second best, and we just fell short. But if you look at the Porto team, Ryan, they, they went on to win the Champions League a year after, so they were a right top side. But we gave them a fright. But I still think there's only one disap couple of disappointments: losing it, 100 losing it. That's your biggest regret. I don't think the stadium was good enough to hold that European final. It wasn't big enough for the Celtic support. It wasn't. And um, I always remember the pitch wasn't great. It had been relayed and it wasn't great. It was very, very dry. And Seville was roasting hot that, that night. But I don't think the stadium was was good enough for the, for the Celtic fans. It, it wasn't big enough um, because we totally, totally ruled that stadium. It was just, we just fell short of, of that. And that'd have been that'd have been that would have been absolutely brilliant to win a, a European trophy with Celtic. It'd have been brilliant. Yeah, and when you think of the the run up to that final as well, is there any games and any memories in those games that stand out? I think so many fans will look at Boavista away, Anfield away, Ewood Park. You know all those types of ones. But is there any for you that really stand out? Liverpool at Anfield was um, was incredible. That that was a brilliant game. That was just a great. Great game that we went down there and obviously we do one one at, at Parkhead and people thought well, it's a bit tricky now going down there but see that team always thought could could get results and we Henry we Henry you always felt you could get a goal um, and I know he never scored that night but I think his presence up top was huge for us because I always just think Henry could score it or nothing and if you wanted a chance he could. He could score, but they were strong. Marcel, Lenny, Tomo, Stillian, uh, Jackie or Didi or whatever. It was, a, it was a strong core. You know, it was a really strong Sutton and Big John. So it was a really strong defensive unit we had as well. Johan, Bobo. If we think Bobo Baldi in the semi-final, I don't think we'd get through. Because Bobo Baldi against Bob Easter was, was extraordinary how he performed. And, the, and you've got the jewel in the crown with Henry that gets you the gets you the goals really so um but collectively as a team we were we were powerful and just we just yeah just probably fell short I think in in uh, in Seville. I don't know if you have any memories of the, the game at Anfield but I've heard a few people talk about Martin O'Neill before the game and a, a speech that he gave that really kind of got got all the guys up. I don't know if you have any memories of it um of, of what he might have said before that to get everyone going or is there any kind of good memories of the changing room after that game? I do you know what the manager the gaffer never really spoke too much before games, a few minutes that made you feel yeah, we're ready for this. That was to me that was his unbelievable strength was not that we need motivated because I think if you've got to motivate yourself as a problem, you know, that you, you, you're ready to go, you're ready to play. You know the atmosphere at Anfield, you know exactly what you're going to get out of. You know the cauldron that, that it's going to be. But the manager was brilliant for, 
two minutes, he would have had was before the game and made everybody feel 10 foot tall when we went out there. But I think if you ask him himself, when he looks back in his time there, that era would have been would have been unbelievable for him. I'm Rob and Wally because, they, they, as I said before, a team of men that we, we weren't shrinking violets. We could all handle it and we could all, we've all played in big games. We'd played in World Cups or Champions League finals or whatever it was, or European titles. The guys were all big players. There wasn't a, a shrinking violet in there that you thought, you know, he, he, he won't go to the well for us. But the manager, yeah, I remember the, the speech in, in two minutes, but he always made you feel 10 foot tall. And you think the simple things you'd done, he made you feel that they were great things. And that was that to me was his strength. Yeah, brilliant memories. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about them as this year goes on, as we get closer to those actual milestones. Uh, Paul, what we always do when we finish, when we have a guest on, is we get some fans to send in some, some questions for them. So I've got a, a few here from some of our fans from, from Twitter. Um, the first one comes from... Uh, his name's Rough Smooth on Twitter. And he says, which player from the current Celtic side would you have liked to have had in the Celtic teams you played in? Current team. I think Callum would, would have fitted in with us pretty well. Uh, I think he'd, he'd have been uh, fitted in pretty well. Uh I think Fury Ash would have done well for us just because the way he plays on that shoulder every every time. The, the biggest compliment I can give the Celtic players at the minute, you get maximum effort from them. They, they, they go and they go Hitati. Do you know what? You'd probably like to play with most of them in there because they all look they all look good guys. You probably know them better than I do. They all look good guys. They all look as if they can they can go a bit yeah, the, the only thing you would probably have to handle in my era would be the would be the dressing room banter, I think, which might be a bit different from from what they've got at the minute. We um, we 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 took no prisoners at our 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 point. So um, I think most of the guys, I think, would have been good with our era. I don't. I wouldn't say, but if you ask me who I think could step in, I think Alan would have stepped in with it. I think Furiashi would have stepped in with it. Uh, Jota, I think, has got a little bit about him to make things happen as well. So I think that's that, that's a good 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 player. Uh, Joe, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I think most of the guys could do it. Yeah. Yeah, and even in defence, you know, big Carter Vickers has been sensational this season yeah. and been a, been a really really good player. So I mean, it's a, such a strong squad at the moment. So um, both both two really strong squads, both those eras. Um, talking about that kind of that dressing room banter we've got a question here from Mark Cunningham and he's asking you did Henrik ever cheat at pool? Well that became ultra competitive that that was uh, <laughs> that became <laughs> nobody ever cheated but it became ultra competitive that that was um, that was before training the two is um, every morning and it did it became you know it's funny how people have I, I actually forget a lot of these things that are actually going and the people refresh your memory of it but the actual um, competitive level at the pools game uh, day pool game was was, ex was extraordinary really it was every morning every morning we played and then we were first in I, I think we were half eight or something we were in and we played pool before we were in exchange for training and that was um, yeah it became 
became quite competitive, yeah. How heated did it get? Did it ever get to a really get a point where it was really boiling over at any point? Although that the, the, the air was blue with language, I would say that. I would, I would, uh, I would say that it was whoever lost had to make coffee, and more, he hated making it in the morning, and so did I. So when you had to go and make each other's coffee, you'd get if he if I'd beat him or whatever, and he'd get to the door, and I would shake two sugars in it, will you? And then you'd get the verbal back, and then vice versa. You know what I mean? So, but it was good. It was good fun, and uh, yeah, it was it was good banter. Brilliant. Um, we've got two more here. Um, one comes from at krboy1974 who asks, did you ever have any hes- hesitation in joining Celtic when they made the offer with the whole 10 in a row thing and, and the sort of pressure that, that was on the team at that point? No, there's a, my circumstances were different because um, after Champions League final I could have went anywhere in Europe. I had so many teams come in for me to sign me in all different countries. To, to sign and um, I was really happy in Bristol Dortmund I didn't need to leave anywhere and Celtic asked me a few times beforehand and I says no um, because I was happy in Dortmund but it wasn't just Celtic asked me that I had so many teams to come in after the final that, that I could have went to and then every answer was no to everybody else because I enjoyed my time in Dortmund I loved the, the club and the support and, and we were the European champions so I didn't have to move and it was only just certain circumstances that I, that I came back. Did I know the relevance of the 10 in a row? Yeah, I did. Did I know the pressure of it? Yeah, I did. Did that affect me? No, never. Because I was used to the big games. I was used to massive games. I was playing against Bayern or Schalke in front of 90,000, you know, so was, there was no problem for me to fit into the, that way. The only thing I had to master was I'm back in another country playing football. And, but I knew, I knew the significance, but it never... It never, um, it wasn't a weight around my shoulders. You know I mean, it, it was a, something I, I wanted to thrive on to see if we could do it. And that, that was a great thing. Yeah, and he's, he actually had a follow-up question as well, just about that, asking, did you have a, a thought in your head thinking, like a what-if moment, I can come here and I can be part of this team to, to stop the 10? And I think you're kind of mentioning that there. It wasn't a weight around your shoulders. You were actually quite excited to come with that challenge. It was, and that's why I think, you know the guys that stoked that 10 in a row, that, that squad of players, they, they deserve so much credit for what they've done because them stopping that 10 in a row, as I said before, is part of history for that club. That If we'd lost it, okay, put the boot on the other foot here. If we'd lost it, then that group would have been maybe criticised probably to this day or part of the team that lost the 10 in a row and the Jock Steen reg- legacy thing. That's where I think that that era or that team, the 98, uh, should, there should be something maybe done for them a little bit because I think what they've done was a remarkable, a remarkable thing in all the years gone by because you'd like to think you'd never see a 10 row ever again. Either because Rangers nearly done it, Celtic nearly done it. Would anybody do it again? I don't know. I really don't know. But we were part of a team that stopped it, which is um, and it's harder stopping it than what it is actually doing it. It's actually it's it's harder to stop it because it they Rangers had a lot of the momentum and they had everything going for them at, at, at that time. So um, and Vim built a new team. So uh, to to stop it was 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 a huge thing for us. Yeah, a, a really important moment of what's now been a. 
really glorious kind of last 25 years for the football club with, with trophies galore to, to celebrate. Paul, thank you so much for taking out the time to, to speak to us in the podcast. It's been, it's been really great to hear some of those stories and to chat about this, this current Celtic team. So really appreciate the time and I'm, I'm sure we'll be speaking a lot more as the year goes on, as this Celtic team hopefully goes on to win more trophies and we kind of get closer to those, those anniversaries as well. So thank you so much. No problem. Enjoyed it.